And welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Dozell and myself, Son Edom, sit at the crossroads of faith and pop culture and discuss the issues that are involved with faith and pop culture. And Dan, one of the areas that tends to be pretty big when it comes to Christianity, which is the faith side of it, and then, of course, Hollywood, which is the pop culture side of it, is that of the religious faith of Christianity. It's hard to be a Christian in Hollywood. A lot of times Christians in Hollywood have a difficult time keeping their faith while being a mainstream you know, actor or actress. You think of you know some people that have left Hollywood, like Cook Cameron, his sister, uh, Candace Cameron Bure, and there's some others. But it is a difficult road to maneuver when you are in Hollywood and you are a Christian. You think of, you know, I think Chris Pratt, which is somebody who professes to be a Christian and is in Hollywood making big blockbuster movies. And then you think about his father-in-law, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who recently came out with this whole concept that, you know, when you die, that's just it. There's nothing more. I believe he called heaven a fantasy and called people who promote the idea of heaven liars. I think he used an explicit uh, term, including an adjective, including liar. But he was pretty adamant that there is nothing in the afterlife. Heaven is a fantasy, and if you talk about it, you are a liar. Um, and you wrote something about it in the Christian Post, and it was something that I've been thinking about too over the last couple of weeks when I heard about it. It's amazing how somebody who has seen so much who has experienced so much and accomplished so much, can yet be in such denial. I mean, explicit denial. I mean, you can't get any more emphatic in your denial than saying that it's a fantasy, you're a liar, and when we die, we're worm food. I mean, it's it's pretty astronomical to think that someone can have this absolute doubt about the afterlife. Yeah, that is absolutely right, Son. And, you know, it's very sad whenever anyone, be they uh, a famous person like Arnold Schwarzenegger or any, usually your average, you know, average American, let's say, uh, when, when, when someone is living on blind faith, and I'll explain that here in a second, um, it, it's very sad because they're being tossed about by the winds and the waves of, of their own assumptions, their own opinions, their own conjecture. That's essentially what Arnold Schwarzenegger is, is living by. That's blind faith. He's placing his faith in the assumption that heaven does not exist, even though he has no evidence to support that. Um, he has no, um, you know, logical or historical, uh, evidence to support his denial of heaven. And, and on the flip side of that, Christianity uh, has plenty of historical evidence um, to rely upon when coming to a conclusion about Jesus. Uh, you know, was he, was he a liar? You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger says people are lying if they talk about heaven. I mean, ultimately, I guess, you know, that he's saying that Jesus was a liar. Um, and, and Christians who believe what Jesus said was a liar. And that is a position a person can take about Christ. I mean, you, you can call him a liar if you choose to do so. I mean, uh, it'd be very, uh, uh, very bad to do that, but, uh, and, and very detrimental, obviously, to your soul, uh, to do that. But there are people who do that. Uh, you can call him a liar. You can call him, uh, the Lord of the universe. 
um, uh, which, which he is, uh, or you could call him a lunatic. He's out of his mind. But uh, you, you can't get away with just saying he's a, he's a, merely a good prophet because Jesus never left that option open to us. He, he made uh, claims about being the exclusive way to heaven, about being the son of God, about being able to forgive sins, about being, um, you know, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, existing before Abraham was born. Jesus said, I am. Uh, I mean, so he clearly claimed to be God. He clearly claimed to be um you know, able to forgive sins. And, and so everybody has to make their own determination about Jesus. And the purpose of my article too, was to kind of gently point out that it doesn't seem like Arnold Schwarzenegger has done any of his homework on, on Christianity, the way his son-in-law, Chris Pratt has done. Uh, you know, when Chris Pratt was speaking to the MTV uh, award group there back in 2018, he, he told uh, all of the folks there, he said, Hey, God is real. Um, and God loves you. And, and I choose to believe that. And you, should too. And, 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 uh, he even made the point that the freedom that we enjoy in America was paid for by, by the blood of those who sacrificed their lives for us. Uh, and, and the same is true in the spiritual realm, uh, where Jesus shed his blood on the cross for our salvation. So Chris Pratt gets it. Uh, you know, he, the Holy Spirit has, has led him to, uh, to faith in Christ. And if Arnold Schwarzenegger would, um, really dive into that, explore that, um, you know, prayerfully, uh, you know, he too could come to have a living faith in the risen Savior. But right now he has a blind faith in his faulty assumptions. Uh, he, he believes that. Uh, like you said, son, he, he, he says that those who claim that you, we're going to see people after we die, you know, when, by trusting Christ and we're going to see our, our loved ones uh, who know Christ, we're going to see them in heaven. He says, you know, that's not true. Um, but, but he has no evidence to support it. And, and today in the podcast, I know we'll get into some of the evidence. There is plenty of evidence uh, with which to believe that Jesus uh, is is the Messiah. I mean, you know, I wrote an article years ago about how uh, Jewish scholars have historically looked at Bethlehem. So um, the Jewish people, the Jewish scholars in particular, have known, based on the Old Testament scriptures, that, that the Messiah would be coming from Bethlehem. And, and you would think, with that in mind, like Micah 5.2, uh, the Old Testament prophet who said uh, that, that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem, you would think that 99% or, or, or more of Jewish people today would say, well, Jesus obviously is the Messiah, because look at he came from Bethlehem, he, he fulfilled all these prophecies, uh, but sadly, um, there are so many Jews and Gentiles who um, have not trusted Christ, have not been convinced by the evidence, have not uh, humbled themselves and repented, at the foot of the cross and, and have not seen Jesus for who he really is. So Arnold Schwarzenegger is in that camp right now, but uh, we can pray that his heart will soften, that he will, um, uh, you know, turn away from his blind faith and really look at the evidence for Christianity, the historical evidence, and uh, that he will come to place his faith in the Savior. But um, we'll just have to see. I mean, he's 75 right now. You know, what kind of led him, I think, into some of these points he made, Son, was 
he was talking. And Danny DeVito was there too, who of course starred with him years ago in that movie Twins. And by the way, I think Danny DeVito, when they were having this discussion, you know, kind of, you know, agreed there with, with uh, Arnold and basically said, yeah, you know, we just disintegrate or whatever, however we said it, you know, when we, when we die. So Danny DeVito, you know, seems to have that same blind faith that, that Arnold Schwarzenegger has. But anyway, um, they, they were talking about this and Arnold was basically lamenting the fact that, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't like to, to think about death. Uh, he says, he, he says, you know, I know that some people talk about death and they're comfortable with it and they talk about seeing people, you know, after you die, but he says, I'm not comfortable with it. Uh, and, and I appreciate his honesty on that. And, and I don't blame him for, um, not being okay with death. You know, he says, Hey, I, you know, I'm going to miss everything, you know, and, and he talked about things that he loves to do, like, like go to the gym and ride his bike on the beach and, and hang out with people and travel. Okay. I think, that, you know, are very enjoyable. So it's natural that someone who's 75 years old would, would be thinking, you know, uh, my time is running out. Um, I'm not going to be able to do this forever and ever. And, and that's depressing. And of course it is because death is a ferocious beast. And, you know, you have to, the only way you're going to, you know, overcome death is, is, is to have someone or something who is stronger than death, who, who has defeated death. You're going to have to get with that program. And, and of course, that's what Jesus offers. You know, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked, do you believe this? And, and of course, Arnold, um, does not yet, uh, he has not yet come to faith in Christ, but, um, you know, we need to pray for him, you know, Lord Jesus, open his heart, soften his heart, bring him to repentance. You know, the Holy spirit, uh, will work upon him and lead him. But, but Arnold's also going to have to humble himself. And, you know, he's a big, strong guy. At least he has been. And I'm sure he's, you know, not thrilled with the fact that he can't lift what he used to lift. And he's not in the same kind of shape. I mean, nobody is as we get older, you know, uh, but um, if he will humble himself and, and recognize that even though his body is wasting away, because that's what the Bible says for all of us, our, our, our bodies are uh, wasting away. Um, that's pretty obvious to see with every one of us. But uh, he's not going to maintain the same fitness physically. But the good news is if he places his faith in Christ, he'll be given a new body in heaven, a resurrection body, a perfect, I mean, he thinks he had a good body as a, as a bodybuilder, you know, winning uh, trophies and so forth. Wait until he sees his resurrection body. If in fact he comes to Christ, if in fact, then he, he, uh, he goes to heaven when he dies and that body is going to blow his mind. Uh, but likewise on, on the tragic side of things, um, those who are not going to heaven, those who are going to be sent to hell to pay for their sins uh, because they're imperfect like all of us and they're sinners, they too will have uh, an incorruptible body um, and, and they'll want to die. They'll, they'll want to, you know, essentially commit suicide in hell. But, but the teaching of the Bible is you're not able to do that. So, so as great as heaven is a million times greater than we can imagine, hell is a million times worse. And, and, and so these are the two options that Jesus presented. And um, these are the two options before Arnold. And, and so he would be wise to start thinking not just about, well, I'm not going to be able to, you know, ride my bike on the beach anymore. Or I'm not going to be able to go to the gym. Um, no, that's the reality of it. His, his soul is going to leave his body at the moment of his death. It's, it's going to go immediately to either heaven or hell. And it all comes down to what you do with Jesus. The pivotal 
a central figure of history who died on the cross to uh, to create a path to paradise to to make the way to open the door to heaven to anyone who will come to the father through the son so again that's what chris pratt has done that's what we pray arnold will do and there's still time for him to renounce his blind faith and and, and put his faith in the historical uh the, the fulfilled promises the 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 evidence of christianity and just simple childlike faith just to believe that jesus died for him on the cross and rose again and, and if arnold will do that he'll be forgiven and his eyes will be opened and then he'll be like hey chris you know i know now i know you know why you believed in god and, and why you you have the faith that you have so that's what we hope and pray will happen for arnold as well as everyone you know who is not yet a believer in christ you know, it's interesting when he talks about, you know, those beach rides uh, with his bike or pumping up in the gym or traveling about and how he's going to miss it. You know, he went on to say he's going to miss it and he doesn't really understand why there's death. It kind of ticks him off. But as he's going through this conversation with Danny DeVito and talking about the great things about life, and I think they both agreed that, you know, life is at its best when you're having fun going to the gym, pumping up, riding bike on the beach, you know, stuff like that. But what they don't realize that this life here on earth is actually like the middle. If you were going to go, you know, top tier, middle tier and bottom tier, life here on earth is going to be middle tier no matter how you experience life on earth. Because if you go to heaven, now you're talking top tier life for, you know, eternity. And if you end up in hell, you're talking about bottom tier life and probably even worse for all of eternity. So it's like if you're enjoying what you like here now, Whatever it is, and to the extent of whatever that is, it's going to change dramatically for the positive or for the negative, depending on your beliefs. And unfortunately, like you said, if he's not checking that out and doesn't realize that, then he's going to be missing out on even a better life for all eternity because his destination will not be so great. There will be no beach. There will be no biking. There will be no traveling. There will be just yeah. eternal misery, and that's the sad, really. That's the sadness yeah. that comes yeah. to it when people don't don't believe yeah. um, in heaven. It's that you don't realize that life here on earth isn't the best. It's only middle ground, and it's only going to get mm-hmm. ten times better if you can say that, or yeah. ultimately extremely worse, one way or the other. Yeah, that's exactly right, son. And you know, it, it, it is very sad when when someone has, has relied so much on themselves. I mean, let's face it, Arnold put in a lot of hard work uh, as a bodybuilder to, to um, achieve what he did in, in, in that sport. Uh, he put a lot of hard work in as, a, as an actor. Um, you know, we've seen that in his movies. And he put a lot of hard work in as the governor of California. And, and so he's been successful uh, in those areas. And his hard work is a huge component of that success. So it's going to be hard for him um, to wrap his mind around the fact, and that's what it is, a fact, that, um, that, that you, can, you can receive something so far better than any of those things. You know, and, and like you said, far better than riding your bike on the beach and going to the gym and traveling here on earth. You can receive something as a free gift if you will come to Christ and admit your sin and ask him to forgive you and believe that he died for your sins on the cross. Um, that's, that's going to be hard for him to do, but not impossible. Um, with God, nothing is impossible. And, and so he seems to kind of right now, like just kind of glibly 
write off Jesus in heaven as though, well, hey, everybody knows that's make-believe. You know, that's a fantasy. Um, You know, you're not. And so imagine the audacity of of now telling, you know, believers in Jesus, you guys are wrong, you know, um, and, and yet he has no evidence to stand upon. Only assumptions, conjecture, emotions, and opinions. And and so it is truly a blind faith that he has. And that's why I titled my article, uh, Why Arnold Schwarzenegger's Blind Faith Haunts Him. Uh, the reason it haunts him is because there's no peace in that. There's no forgiveness in that. There's no certainty in that. There's no heaven in that. There's no relationship with God in that. And and here, Chris Pratt, you know, also an actor, also a very successful actor. I mean, you know, uh, many would say probably even more successful maybe as an actor than Arnold Schwarzenegger, but both, you know, both of them truly uh, very successful in that, in that area. But at the end of the day, it's not going to matter whether a person was a successful, you know, person in Hollywood or not. It's going to matter. What did you do with Jesus? Um, Were you a follower of Christ? Did you enter into a relationship with Jesus through faith, which is the only way you can enter it? Not by going to church, not by doing good works, not by earning it, not by trying to obey the Ten Commandments, although all of those things are very good and important and, and helpful in, in, in the Christian life, obviously. They're all things God wants Christians to do, but you don't become a Christian by doing things. You become a Christian by placing your, your, your faith in what Christ has done on the cross 2,000 years ago. And, and this is the miracle of the gospel. This is the, you know, the mystery of the gospel. Uh, and, and it frankly is why so many people miss it, because it's a spiritual message that requires spiritual discernment, which requires the Holy Spirit to teach it to you, um, where you just humble yourself by God's grace and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself, but I do believe that Jesus is my Savior, and I'm trusting him to forgive me. It's that simple. And, and so uh, we'll have to wait and see one of these days. And, and you know, I mean, I hope for his sake, it's, it's not anytime soon. But, but one of these days, Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to breathe his final breath here on earth. And God wants him in heaven. Um, you know, his family, certainly Chris Pratt wants him in heaven. We want him in heaven. Um, but, but we also know what Jesus said. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And, and Jesus said in the Gospel of John, I am the gate, or I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And so just like there was one door onto the ark in Noah's day with the great flood, uh, there's one door into heaven. And, and that is Jesus. And, and that's uh, what I described as the door of the castle that Arnold needs to get to that door. He, he needs to get by the detours that are tripping him up. You know, the, the false assumptions, the conjecture, the opinions, the emotions. Um, he needs to get beyond that. And that's where I say, if you will look at the evidence, um, it can bring him to the door of the castle. And... That's how far apologetics can take a non-Christian to the door of the castle. But it, it, to get inside, it, it, it's going to take faith. It's going to take belief, believing in the facts, believing in the evidence, believing in the person of Jesus, placing your faith in the historical uh, fact of Christ's death and resurrection for my salvation. So 
Whereas Arnold seems to be looking inside himself and what he feels and his opinion. Christianity calls for a person to look outside of yourself. Don't look at what you're feeling. Don't look at your religious, you know, assumptions. Don't even look at, you know, oh, I'm a good person or I'm not a good person. Um, look outside yourself to what Jesus did on the cross. Uh, repent of your sin. Turn to God. Believe that he died on that cross for you 2,000 years ago and rose from the grave on the third day. Believe that and you will be forgiven and saved and justified and born again and forgiven uh redeemed, um, you know, all of that, all of that by believing in Jesus as Savior. And then you become a follower of Christ because on the front end of your relationship with God, you receive forgiveness and, and you receive eternal life. And then the tough part of Christianity kicks in, you know, living for Christ. And some days are going to go better than others. And sometimes you're going to feel like I'm taking three steps forward and two steps back, but you are on the narrow road. The minute you receive Christ as your Savior, just as it says in John 1, 12, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So if Arnold Schwarzenegger will receive Christ by faith, wouldn't it be exciting if he allowed his, his son-in-law, Chris Pratt, to lead him to the Lord? Just say, Chris, show me. What do I need to do? How can I get there? If Chris just said, hey, Arnold, it's simple. Just receive the free gift. And maybe Chris could even just lead him in a prayer to confess his faith in Christ. You know, something like, you know, dear Lord, I'm a sinner. Um, I cannot save myself, but I do believe you died for me on the cross. And I'm going to believe you, Lord, from this day forward. And I want to be your follower and I want to serve you. And Lord, you know, I'm not perfect, but I thank you that you died for my sins. And, and I want to do the right thing going forward. I mean, it's that simple, son. You know, so, uh, so really, if, if, if Arnold would just humble himself, and ask his son-in-law or any Christian. And, and even if he, he wouldn't even have to have that, he could go to God directly himself anytime. I mean, I, I hope and pray that he will read that article I wrote if he hasn't already. And, and then he'll say, you know what? Um, I think that guy's right. I, I, I think I have been operating on a blind faith. I, I, I think I have been putting, you know, a lot of stock in my uh, assumptions and my opinions, but wait a minute. Um, you know, this, this author here is saying that, that, that the odds of getting uh, just eight prophecies fulfilled in one person is one in 100 quadrillion. That's one with 17 zeros. And that wasn't original with me. Uh, Peter, uh, Peter Stoner, a, uh, a uh, mathematics uh, professor, uh, I believe it was mathematics, uh, at Berkeley University back in like the 50s, um, he figured out the probability of, of getting eight prophecies fulfilled in one person. And there is something like 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, but I'm talking about like eight specific prophecies where like, you know, Zechariah said the Messiah would, would ride on a donkey into Jerusalem. And Micah said that um, the Messiah would, would, would come from Bethlehem. And, and Isaiah wrote that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. And so specific details that were written down years before the Messiah came. Why? So that Jews and Gentiles could say, hey, uh, we don't have to wonder if this is the Messiah. We can look at this person's life and see, does he fulfill the prophecies? Does he fulfill what God inspired our prophets? Now, I'm talking now about Jewish people could say, our prophets were inspired to write this down. By the way, Isaiah 53 is like the clearest Old Testament passage about Jesus um, being, uh, you know, pierced for our transgressions and, 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 and just the suffering that Jesus would go through in Isaiah 53. 
And it's interesting, son, and very sad that many Jewish rabbis over the centuries have decided they're not even going to read that uh, passage because it so clearly uh, points to Jesus and those Jewish rabbis who um, are, are, you know, so biased against Jesus. It's almost like what we have today with fake news, where, where you have, let's say, a news organization that, that um, they, they don't care how much evidence there is against their preferred candidate or political person, um, they won't present it, or they won't present it fairly, or they, 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 don't, they won't give it any airtime. Why? Because they're biased. They're not interested in truth. They're interested in power. And, and any rabbi who refuses to read Isaiah 53 is obviously interested in power more than truth, because you can't just pick and choose what you want in your own text. Um, you know, the Old Testament text, um, this is something that even though many Jewish people you know, don't accept the New Testament, you would hope they would at least accept the Old Testament. But, but when you have rabbis, for example, that in their bias refuse to read Isaiah 53, and I would, I would really encourage any listener, go read Isaiah 53 and see how clearly that points to Jesus. And, and, and so um, if you are just so against Jesus, that you refuse to let the truth be be shared in your midst or, or, you know, in your congregation or wherever you're at, then, you know, you obviously have an issue you need to deal with with God because um, God is the God of truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the promised Messiah. Um, you really got to bet against God to say he's not. And here are the odds. The odds are one in 100 quadrillion. And that's only for eight prophecies not the 300 that Jesus fulfilled. And even if you were to say, okay, I'm still not convinced, one in 100 quadrillion, you know, maybe it's that one that didn't match. Okay, so, well, what about this? The Messiah's critics couldn't produce his body. What are you going to do with that evidence? What are you going to do with the fact that the apostles who were so scared after Jesus was crucified, they went out and many of them were martyred for their faith after they saw the risen Lord. You don't do that unless you see a risen Savior that you followed and walked with and believed in, and then your hopes were crushed when he was crucified, but they were resurrected when you saw the resurrected Lord. So that's evidence. That's evidence. That's never happened in history. I mean, I'll tell you another thing that hasn't happened in history. People don't die for a lie knowing it's a lie. Now, you had people on 9-11, the terrorists, they died for a lie, but they assumed it was the truth, okay? You, you don't die for a lie if you know it's a lie, and the disciples, more than anyone, would have known whether or not Jesus rose from the grave. And, and all of the reports are um, that he did and that he was seen by his apostles. But let's not just take those reports. Let's look at their life. Did they go out and live as though he, he rose again, or, or did they remain fearful? Well, no, history tells us they went out preaching the gospel. I mean, Peter, who denied the Lord three times his, uh, you know, before his crucifixion, history tells us Peter... Uh, was crucified uh, when they when when he was uh, martyred for his uh, faith and and his preaching of the gospel and Peter said hey I don't uh, deserve to be crucified the way my Lord was and so he asked to be crucified upside down and history tells us that's how he died how do you do that unless you've seen the risen Savior so all of these things I would I would gently um, you know present to Arnold Schwarzenegger and and I would say I would say Arnold if you will just look at the evidence, um, your whole perspective, your whole life 
will be changed by the same person who has changed the life of your son-in-law and millions of other Christians around the world. And, uh, and this has been going on for 2000 years. So, you know, it, it's exciting to share the gospel. Um, but of course, son, as we know, um, some will be persuaded and, and others, as it says in Acts, will refuse to believe. And, and, and we hope that, uh, Arnold ends up in the former rather than in the latter, because those who refuse to believe, um, they live to regret it. You know, Dan, one of the other things I wanted to kind of discuss that might go into all of this is something else that you wrote called the uh, storing up prayer for your children and grandchildren. Um, you know, take a look at Christian families, for example, and maybe those that compared to those that traditionally might not be. Okay. And it's hard to kind of put it into words because we don't really truly know each person and their belief and their you know, commitment to God. It's between, you know, God and that person. But on a whole, when you, when you take a look at a family, you have these Christian families. Okay. And then maybe some families that the family on a whole from generation to generation might not be a Christian family. And you talk about storing a prayer for your children and grandchildren. You know, we are called to pray. And so for Christians, Prayer could be a lot of different things as far as including or what you include in prayer. And when prayer is obviously talking to God. Um, but when we talk about praying for things that are going to be beyond our life, okay? So one day we die, like we've been talking about with Arnold. One day we're no longer on earth. But this idea of prayer and the prayers that we pray now continuing to children and grandchildren and maybe generations down uh, the road, could that possibly make a difference in how families kind of move in generational, you know, because they talk about, you know, generational sin. I've heard people talk about generational sin and you hear other generational things. You know, there's a, there's a history of alcoholism. It goes down from generation to generation. There's patterns. Obviously we have genetic patterns that might, you know, mean we're more susceptible to a cancer or something. So there is that legacy of those that come before us and what's going to possibly happen to us down the road. But when it comes to prayer, it's like we're praying, we're praying for children, we're praying for grandchildren. But after we go home to heaven one day, and we're not there to physically pray for them. What happens to those prayers? Do they continue or do they just disappear now that we're no longer physically on earth? Yeah, that, that's a great thing to think about, isn't it, Son? And you know what really led me to write that article was something I started thinking about a number of years ago when uh, Don Whitted and I would, would meet every week uh, for prayer and it just struck me one day to have us pray for our kids and then grandkids. And he was a grandfather already at that time. Uh, but to pray for our kids and, and grandkids. Um, I mean, I've just recently become a grandfather. But, but to pray for them um, and ask God to be with them and guide them after we're gone. In, in other words, I started thinking about, Son, how, you know, we can pray hundreds, even thousands of prayers for our kids now, and we should. And those prayers uh, are, are mighty in God's kingdom when we pray in faith because God is mighty. Um, but, but then I started thinking, but, you know, what about after we go home to heaven, who is going to be here to pray for our children and grandchildren? Now, we know God can 
um, can raise up anyone. We know that the, the, the Jesus lives to intercede for every believer, and, and, and the Holy Spirit inter- intercedes for us. We, we see that in Scripture. But in terms of other Christians, who will be praying for our kids and grandkids? And, and so we can ask prayers now that, that God will answer then. You know, when I shared this with my wife, you know, she, she compared it to, like, sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll see people, especially, like, if they receive just the, the tragic news of, of, a, of a cancer diagnosis, um, and let's say for a young parent, I mean, sometimes you hear these just, you know, you know, heart-wrenching stories of a, of a young mother, a young father who may, maybe they even had, you know, three or four children or fewer or less, or, you know, more, but, um, and, and they're, and they're basically given like this, this death sentence of cancer. And so one thing sometimes they'll start to do then, um, as their world has just been turned upside down is they'll start to either write letters or, or videos I mean, of, of things that could be presented to their kids in the years ahead, maybe on a birthday, maybe on a wedding day. I mean, you think about that. It's just, it's very heart-wrenching to think about that being put in that situation, but the love that, that the parent now who's dying wants to uh, leave behind the messages they want to leave behind. I mean, can you imagine how we can't really just the, just the tears, the, um, the emotion that then is felt by the child when they read that letter, you know, a year, two years, five years, 10 years after their, their, their uh, parent had passed away, uh, maybe a video that was left for them, you know, maybe for their wedding day or, or some other time, you know, I mean, these are, it doesn't get any deeper than that uh, in terms of family, um, you know, feelings and love and, and relationship. Uh, but, but my wife kind of compared it to that. And I think that's a good comparison um, that we can, and that's why I titled the article Storing Up Prayer for Our Children and Grandchildren. In other words, not only praying today that, that, that if they don't know Christ, that they come to know Christ, for sure. I mean, that's so key, just like we talked about with Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger, um, but also that they grow in godliness, uh, in, in becoming the, the, the young man or young woman God wants them to be. Um, but then, you know, storing up prayer basically is the idea, praying for them that God would, you know, offering prayers then that would be stored in heaven, essentially, and then applied to that need when they have it. You know, uh, for example, you, you, you could pray and, and spend a lot of time at this, too. You could pray that, that, that God would be there to meet them at, at, let's say, the most critical times in their life or the, the, the tragedy that may, may strike, let's say, or the difficult times that might challenge their faith or whatever the case might be. But storing up prayer, believing God's word so much that you believe that the God who's outside of time, who's not bound by time, who says a year is like a thousand years to him and a thousand years, I'm sorry, a day is like a thousand years to him and a thousand years is like a day. You know, God who created this time dimension, uh, who, as C.S. Lewis said so beautifully, he said, you know, God, God is not limited by what, what, what we perceive to be time limits on, on prayer. You know, he gave a great point, C.S. Lewis, on this. He said, you know, if you're in an airplane and let's say the airplane is starting to, you know, um, you know, go down, looks like it's going to crash. And it's like, let's just say it's, you know, 1053 in the morning. OK. And, and, and the plane could, you know, really could crash in the next few minutes. Okay, God is not limited by those four minutes in which to provide an answer to prayer. Um, as C.S. Lewis said, God has all of eternity, past, you know, present, and future. God has all of eternity to reach into that point and answer that prayer. So 
you know, of course, we, we, we would, many of us, you know, we naturally, we, we'd feel panic. We would feel, you know, I mean, just all sorts of, you know, difficult emotions in that situation. But God is not limited by that. So, in other words, the prayers that we pray um, are, are not just something that, you know, is going to be answered in, in, in our frame of reference or our time, uh, our thinking. God, who's outside of time, can do many, many things. And, you know, um, George Mueller, who uh, helped, you know, so many orphans in London um, through, uh, through the orphanage there and by providing all the, the food and, and uh, shelter that so many hundreds of orphans needed, um, he, he prayed for decades for five of his lost uh, friends. I don't know if any of them were relatives. I think they were all friends. But um, he, uh, he, he prayed for their conversion. And he described how, you know, uh, or somebody else talked about it and described how one by one, uh, you know, how many years passed and one was saved and so many years passed and another one was saved. And, and then they said it was it was after George Mueller went home to heaven that the last one got converted. Um, and so there was an example of where the prayers that were being prayed were answered um, later than, than George Mueller was able to witness it here. But they nevertheless were heard in heaven. They were answered. So, so the same uh, principle applies in terms of what I call storing up prayer for our children and grandchildren. Praying prayers for them now. You know, if we ever lack motivation, it's like you know we, we, we get bored with our, our Christian life or you're living for the Lord. Well, how about this? Think about you know the time when you're gone. Think about your kids needing help, needing prayer, needing direction. You know, think about how strongly you want them to join you in heaven. And not only that, how strongly you want them to reach others, to bring them to heaven and, and, and fulfill God's purpose in their life. So let your love for your children and grandchildren motivate you to pray often for them, um, and not only for their needs today, but for their needs later on, even after you're gone. Because again, uh, there's nothing in the Bible that, that suggests that, you know, we can be interceding for them in heaven after we go there. So, um, again, they're not alone. I mean, the Lord would, would be with them, assuming they're trusting him. They'll have other, you know, family members and friends. So I'm not, I'm not saying that they would be alone, but what I'm saying is we can surround them with, um, God's strength as we pray for that at, you know, to, to, to happen not only today, but also at a later point. So, um, you know, Jesus said, ask and will be given to you, speaking, you will find, knocking the door will be open to you. And, and God answers prayer. Uh, God wants everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Uh, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And, and, you know, it says in James, you have not because you ask not. So all of these things can help to motivate us to be in prayer, you know, daily for our children, our grandchildren. Um, and, you know, God loves them even more than we do. Um, the reason uh, these prayers are precious to the Lord is because our children are so precious to the Lord and our grandchildren are so precious to the Lord. And, and all we have to do, you know, my wife and I, Tammy, is look at our little precious uh, grandbaby who now is, you know, about four and a half months old. And I mean, you know, I mean, what what could be more precious in life than, than that? And with a second grandbaby on the way here in less than two months. So, you know, we always had pe heard people say, you know, hey, you're going to love being a grandparent. Well, of course, you know. Yeah, until we had experienced it, we, it was hard to fully relate to. And, um, you know, a lot of people say, well, you're going to love going to heaven. Well, uh, once we go there, we're going to know 
uh, way more uh, about how just how good it is. And, and so that's why Arnold Schwarzenegger would be wise to not think it any more than it's a fantasy. And, and that's why um, we would be wise to pray for our children and grandchildren because somebody once said, Son, you know, the only thing you can take to heaven are your children. And that's a very interesting thing. I mean, we don't take our money. We don't take our bank accounts. We, we, we don't take, you know, uh, any retirement account. We don't take any possessions. And, and how tragic is it? You know, somebody who's living for this world, you know, piling up material things. But, but then they die, and without faith in Christ, all is lost. It's far worse than they could have ever imagined. And uh, n- nothing, nothing will help them get into heaven. Not, none of their finances, n- none of their wealth, none of their possessions. So um, you can see why the Bible talks about the poor in this world having faith, uh, and, and why Jesus said um, it's very difficult for a rich person to get into heaven, because you're always focused on your stuff. You're always trying to accumulate many times. I mean, not, not all rich people, of course, but a lot of people are just trying to accumulate more stuff. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So um, where is my treasure? Is, is, is Christ my treasure or is it material things? Uh, because that's where my heart's going to be. That's what I'm going to be thinking about. I'm sure as heck not going to be praying for my children and grandchildren if, if my treasure is in material things. You know, my car, my house, my, my toys, you know. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's wrong to own those things. But the question is, do they own me? Or is my mind free to pray continually, to pray daily, to pray even hourly, you know, for the needs of God's kingdom? Uh, am I a follower of Christ? Or, or am I just somebody who's just trying to, you know, have my best life now in terms of material things? Um, well, um, you know, the Bible makes it clear that um, your best life now uh, can only happen through a close uh, relationship with Christ, and and that's what He wants for our families, uh, for everyone in our family. The Lord is not willing that any should perish. God has predestined no one to go to hell. God wants everyone to go to heaven, um, and and we just need to pray. And we don't understand sometimes why some in a family believe and others don't, or why certain of our friends believe and others don't. But uh, we just know we need to pray for them uh, to come to Christ. And, and that is so, so critical for them. And, and God will help us to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I like that. Um, you know, E.M. Bounds has a few quotes, actually, that are pretty significant. But prayers outlive the lives of those who utter them, outlive a generation, outlive an age, outlive a world. And I think it also goes back to, you know, when you pray God's will for people, a lot of times people might pray God's will, but the will that they're praying for may be material things, which, you know, I right. guess is fine. But in actuality, this type of will, I think, and you know, because you think you talk about kids, you know, God, we pray that they get into a good school. They meet good friends. Sure. They make uh, meet a sure. good mate, you know. So those are kind of material yeah. things. So it's important. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about this storing up prayer, I mean, that's important too and can be included, obviously. But it's also basically – focusing on the will that they follow God, that they become close to God, that they um, live their lives yes. for God, that ultimately they get into heaven. Right. Because then right. if that's the the prayer, kind of the umbrella prayer, if you may, then some of those other things yeah. would probably fall into it because then they are looking and seeking a yeah. uh, a, a mate, a Christian right. mate, or they're going to instill Christian values mm-hmm. into their mm-hmm. kids, your grandkids or great-grandkids. Right. And so I think that's one thing that's important to kind of remember is that, you don't always have to 
specifically pray because we could get obsessed. I mean, think about it. Generations upon generations, we could get obsessed with praying for the future. But when we just pray that, hey, we want our kids, our grandkids, our future generations to be Christ-like, to follow God, and to ultimately Mm -hmm. live a life that gets them into heaven. Uh, Repent of sins and seek salvation. Mm -hmm. Then with that, we pray that then they follow biblical principles. And if they do that, mm-hmm. then I think that kind of will take care of, because like you also mentioned, you know, yeah. you've got the Holy Spirit that intercedes, uh, Jesus right. intercedes. So you have these intercessors yeah. that are going to step in mm-hmm. and, if you will, take care of the fine details um, as yeah. long as the prayer is of the will that God has for them, which is to follow him and eventually get to heaven. Yeah, amen, son. And, you know, I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew 6.33. To go right along with the point you're making, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And, and that's just the very point that you're making. And, and I'm also reminded, I think, again, with C.S. Lewis, I think, who, who said, uh, and I'll try to paraphrase, he basically said, you know, if you live for uh, the kingdom of God, um, you'll often get the word in the kingdom of heaven. You'll often get the world thrown in with it, meaning, you know, you know, good things, um, in, in this life. Uh, but, it, but if you live for, um, the world alone, um, you, you, you miss out on everything. So, uh, when you talk about like, you know, finding a, a Christian mate or, or God, you know, leading you to a, a job where you can glorify him or, or just, just other blessings, you know, if you seek first the kingdom of God, then it's amazing how these other things will many times fall into place. Now, that doesn't always occur, I, I mean, in the way that we would assume. So I, I'm not suggesting that, well, seek first the kingdom of God, and you won't have any trials or any difficulties, and everything is just going to go great for you. I mean, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So, so I mean, sometimes you can be doing everything right for God, and then it seems like, you know, a lot of the things in this, in this life maybe aren't going the way you would have chosen. And we don't understand sometimes, or many times, you know, why that is the case. But if our faith is in God and our relationship with God is intact there and, and, and we're, you know, trusting Christ alone for salvation, we can know that, that, that God's plan will prevail and, and that hardships are used to help us uh, persevere. Hardships are used to, um, to strengthen our faith. And um, while many times, you know, living for God, you know, things in the world do fall into place for us. There are other times, I mean, think about those countries where, um, I mean, I was, let me give you just an extreme example, son. I mentioned this in a, in a recent sermon, but this was in the news. So here within the last few weeks, there was a family in North Korea who was taken by the North Korean officials, thrown into prison for life, including a two-year-old child. What was their crime? Well, they were found to have a Bible, okay? So they were trying to seek first the kingdom of God, and we're doing so. And what, what are they getting now as a result of that, son? Um, life in prison and uh, hardships in prison that we can't even fathom that, that they're being put through. And, and so now that's where um, the scripture passages that talk about, blessed are you when, when men persecute you, for great is your reward in heaven. That's where heavenly rewards come in. Um, you know, heaven itself is a gift, uh, but the Bible also talks about rewards. And I'll tell you this much. Um, if you're a Christian in North Korea who is arrested for having a Bible, okay, 
I cannot even begin. I can't begin to imagine in the first place what heaven's going to be like. But but the, the rewards that God will have for you, because He said so, because Jesus said that 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 there are special blessings in heaven. I mean, even over and above beyond what what let's say the thief on the cross who got in at the last moment. He said, you know, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. It's going to be amazing for him forever. He's, you know, he went to paradise. He's in paradise. He'll never have a laugh. He'll never think, oh, well, why don't I have what somebody else has? But having said all that, okay, um, the Bible does not teach that his reward in heaven will be identical to, let's say, the, the, the Christians in North Korea who are arrested, thrown in prison, go through all sorts of hardships and, and being torn apart from one another, torn apart from their family. Um, and now they're being called upon by God to persevere in faith and not renounce their faith. And, and, and you know, your heart goes out. I mean, this little two-year-old, you know, who would, who would have been raised by Christian parents. And now you just have to pray that somehow God will deliver that two-year-old and, and, and bring him or her, you know, um, into a connection with, with other Christians. But my point is, those Christians now who are suffering um, imprisonment and who knows what at the hands of the North Korean officials, um, the reward will be great in heaven for them. And that's, that's what, what the encouragement that God wants to give them is that, is that they're not being punished, you know, they're not going through this for nothing. Um, God is just, okay? Um, heaven is a free gift. You don't earn it. Um, you only get in on the merits of Jesus, his death and his resurrection. That's it, okay? Um, now, once you're in the family of God, the Lord says, okay, um, you know, if men persecute you, um, great is your reward in heaven. Now, notice reward. That's a very different word than gift, okay? The gift of salvation is, is, not, a, is not a reward in that sense. It's, it's just freely given. You can't earn. In fact, if you try to earn your way into heaven, you'll miss it out. You'll miss out on all of it unless you submit to the righteousness of Christ. Yeah, otherwise, you're self-righteous. You're trying to get, you earn your way in. Okay, so, so that keeps people out of the kingdom of God. But once you're in God's family through repentance and faith, um, and then let's say now you're in a country like North Korea, um, and, and you look over here, maybe you know enough about America to know, well, why do those Christians have it so easy? Why do they have freedom? Why can they go about and do things? We can't even own a Bible without having our, our family torn apart, being imprisoned now for life, and, and being just, you know, treated so brutally now. And, and the Bible says God is just, and, and, and God will not forget what they endured. I mean, think about the martyrs, you know, those who died for their faith. And there have been many, okay? So God has got that all covered, all right? And um, the, the, the rewards of those saints— who, who go through that and who persevere will be great in heaven. And that's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus said. Great is your reward in heaven. So reward is given for something that you've endured, okay? Uh, so there's a biblical difference between gift and reward. Uh, in fact, I wrote an article on that years ago, the biblical distinction between gift and reward. So the gift of God is eternal life, okay? That's a free gift. Um, rewards are given out um, uh, you know, based on a, a person's life. Um, and, you know, uh, it, it, there's no need for a person to get tripped up on that. Um, no, I'll, I'll just say this, son, and, and maybe if I was in a country like North Korea, I, I wouldn't say what I'm about to say. Maybe I would look at it differently. But there's nothing that I do where I think, oh, boy, you know, 
I'm going to get a reward for that. You know, uh, I, I, that never enters my mind. Um, so how God handles that in my life, in your life, in the lives of Christians here in America, that's up to God, you know, uh, and, and, you know, what greater reward will there be in heaven than just laying our, our crowns as it were at the Lord's feet, just worshiping the Lord. So he, he'll be our reward, our ultimate reward in heaven. But, um, having said that, where, where I don't think about those rewards, if I was in a place like North Korea, though, son, I might, I mean, because otherwise it, it, it might be very hard for a Christian to think, you know, why would God let me and my family go through this while I've known Christians in America and, and it's like Disneyland compared to what we have here. So, so, uh, and we're, we're all going to get the same thing in heaven, right? Well, yes and no. I mean, we're, nobody in heaven is going to regret what somebody else has. Um, nobody's going to have any sense of lack, but, but there's a reason why the Bible teaches heavenly rewards. And, and I think many times it has to do with persecution. Well, in fact, even in Corinthians, you know, it, it talks about all of our works one day being tested with fire. So um, some of it's going to end up being wood, hay, and stubble. In other words, the fire will test our work. And, and, and if a lot of our work for the Lord was um, done so that we get the focus or the glory or the credit, that's all going to be burned up. There'll be no reward for that. But whatever is done with a noble, Christ-centered, spiritual purpose, um, the, the Bible talks about that as being costly stones that will not be burned up, and then you'll receive your reward, uh, whatever that is. So all of our works as Christians now will be tested by fire. The, the, the works of unbelievers, um, hey, that won't really be tested. That will be judged by the law, and, 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 and that's where the condemnation comes in. Um, the only works that will be tested in terms of getting a reward are, are, are those for believers and it also says now that if a person's works or many of them are burned up, it says he himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. So, so, so the picture I kind of have, son, is almost like at the airport when you go through the metal detector, okay, somehow, some way, we're going to like go through this fire. There's going to be this, um, this testing of our works. By the way, I, I think the Catholic Church it maybe uses these passages somewhat to support the idea of purgatory and, and, and almost like, well, you go there and then somehow you have to like, you know, you get tested by fire and you maybe suffer a little bit. I mean, the Bible, the, purgatory is not taught in scripture, but that might be one of the verses I believe that they use to, to get that faulty doctrine. Um, it, it's not that you're going there. Uh, you know, it, well, it's not that you're going anywhere to, to, to pay for your sins or something, but, but your Jesus did that. Um, that's why you're going to heaven because you trusted in his death. But having said that, your works will be tested with fire and the wood, hay and stubble again, uh, done, you know, deeds done out of selfishness or, um, or, or for your own focus. Look at me, you know, look what I'm doing or whatever. That'll be burned up. But, but the noble deeds will end up being like costly stones. Um, but, um, if a man's works are burned up or many of them, he himself will suffer loss but only as one escaping through the flames. So some will come into heaven having a lot of their life just burned up, meaning what I mean by that is um, they weren't really living a noble life for Jesus. They never made any sacrifices hardly for the Lord, and they never really, you know, they, they, they probably rarely prayed for their children, grandchildren, for the lost, and, 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 and they did things more for their own show, but they were, they were born again, they were trusting in Jesus, but they weren't growing, okay? So... Um, so all of this comes into play for the believer, um, and God wants to motivate the believer, especially those who are being persecuted for their faith. Don't give up. 
Um, don't think I don't see, um, you know, persevere. Um, you know, you will be overjoyed. You know, our light and momentary troubles, the Bible says, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So those who've suffered martyrdom for their faith, um, you know, they're going to be shining like bright lights in heaven, not to have the glory on them, you know, um, it'll all go to Christ. It won't, it won't be on people. You know, man sometimes wants to put the glory on a particular Christian or a, you know, like a celebrity Christian or celebrity pastor or whatever the case might be. Well, in heaven, there'll be none of that. Um, you know, uh, the focus is going to be on the Lord as it should be now. So, um, yeah, so those are just some things that I think come into play when we, when we think about, you know, why would I, why would I pray for my kids and grandkids? Well, I love them and I want them in heaven and, and, and I want them to fulfill God's purpose for their life. Yeah. You never know the impact and change that one might have over the course of generations through prayer. Dan, we appreciate your time as always talking about these different issues at the intersection of faith and pop culture. And we look forward to uh, many more conversations, God willing. Well, I sure do as well, Son. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, we'll look forward to our next visit. And, and uh, we just hope and pray that every listener will, will uh, be strengthened by the words that, um, that we've shared today. And, and uh, we know that God is, is with us and is going to help us each step of the way. And for those of you listening, check out our website at RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. Just click on the Sanctified Reason uh, podcast logo, and uh, our shows will pop up there if you want to listen to past shows. You can also listen pretty much anywhere you listen to, to podcasts like Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, etc. And um, if you feel like this type of uh, message could bless somebody or any of our past podcasts, by all means, uh, do let them know where they can find us, and we truly appreciate that. And with that, I'd like to say thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.